Mark chapter 1. So during this coronavirus outbreak, the Lord has shown me thing. Uh, he showed me a lot of things where I'm going to keep preaching that relates to this situation while you are sensing this experience, people. That way you, um, the sermon can better apply to you and help you during this time. So that's what I've been doing during these sermons. Concerning about the doctrines and prophecy aspect, that's just Bible studies. But sermons here, I'm trying to minister to you uh, during the coronavirus situation. As far as prophecy and uh, deep doctrines, that's only for teaching. Okay, so as you can notice from the title of the message, the title of the message is, My God, in, my God is Instant Through Social Distance. My God is Instant through social distance. In other words, what you're going to notice over here is that when we are socially bound by people, that's a lot of times where God is distant from us, unfortunately and sadly. But then when, pe when we have this social distance, we finally start to think about God. And not only that, we sense what our flesh is feeling even deeper, and we rely on spiritual power during spiritual warfare even more. So we have a deeper sensation and getting more instant with God. That's what happens within our lives. So let's look at Mark chapter 1 and verse 32. And at even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils. Uh, you'll notice over here, uh, let's see, uh, I just lost my place just now. I don't know what happened. Okay, let's just read verse 33. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him, and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. And he straightly charged him, and forthwith sent him away, uh, forthwith sent him away. And saith unto him, See, thou say nothing to any man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer for thy cleansing those things which Moses commanded, for a testimony unto them. But he went out and began to publish it much, and to blaze abroad the matter, insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. Okay, it was a long passage, but we're actually going to look through an expository sense through all these verses, and then you'll get an understanding concerning about being socially distant as well as God instant. 
Now, I am not saying that I approve of the social distancing where everyone is like avoiding each other. The Bible talks about where communication and people fellowshipping in church is, at, is actually very necessary and we need each other. However, I believe that also that we've been so bound, there's that unbalance where we've been so bound to each other where we became over-reliant upon people that we've forgotten about our alone time, the power of loneliness and the solitary time, the solace that we need with the Lord. Now, throughout this coronavirus situation, I can dare say that practically everybody here or those watching online have experienced something from the Lord. From the previous sermons that you've heard, you perhaps made some changes in your life. So that solitary time was absolutely necessary where it got you to change for the Lord. So the devil's job is where he's going to get rid of that solitary time that was needed where you started to reflect on the things that you need to change, and he's going to make you forget. Actually, there can be a different title for this sermon. You know what the different title for this sermon could have been? The Sin of Forgetfulness. One thing that I notice is that a lot of times that forgetfulness is the key thing why we're unable to make changes for the Lord. The desire is there, I know that. The repentance was there at the altar. There was dedication. And then there was a point in time, even afterwards, where you were making changes for the Lord. But Satan, he will put trials or busyness or temptations where it can easily make you forget the conviction or the dedication or the things that you've set up to conquer and to make changes in your life. That's why forgetfulness is the main thing that can cause a lot of sin problems in your life. That's why solace is important because solace reminds us. It reminds us where, we're, where that busyness and those distractions don't uh, get rid of the memory where you got so much time in your hand and then the mind is running and then you start to recall some things with the Lord. So I hope that today's preaching will reach out to you where you can sense that instant communication, that connection with the Lord once more. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Father God, will you please fill within me the power of your Holy Spirit and wash away my sins with your blood. God, I'm absolutely broken and nothing without you once more. Lord God, uh, it's so strange, but it's also a good thing. I am unconfident when I preach this, Lord. And so I beseech thy power and thy filling. May it be all of you. And that's all I'm going to say in this prayer, Lord. Do it again, Lord, like you've always done with me. And by the t- and you're going to have to keep doing this with me every Sunday and every teaching until you call me home. And that way, even when you give me the reward, I can truly say to you that I did not really earn this. It's only because of your grace that I was able to even get these rewards, Lord. So, Heavenly Father, pull me through once more. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Okay, so I hope that the sermon will reach out to you. Let's look at the first point at verse 32. And that even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils, 
and all the city was gathered together at the door. So notice that verse 32, when the sun did set, when that time was over, then all of a sudden at verse 32, 33, everybody started to throng around Jesus. And Jesus was like at, at business as usual. And what's going to happen is this, is that the sun during this time uh, where it's shining down and then it's causing a lot of problems with its rays upon you during this coronavirus situation, and I'm speaking metaphorically, obviously, that sun will set. And then your relaxing time, the rest will come. And then when the rest comes finally for you, when the shelter at place is over, Everyone's going to be hungry for each other's company and all the city pretty much will throng together. And people, uh, some of you are hungry to get back into church and a lot of you are hopefully going to fill out all the seats. And a lot of you are going to finally say, you know what, I never tried street preaching or visitation. This time I might as well go out this time. Some of you are going to be hungry to try soul winning. Those of you who have been soul winning, but haven't been street preaching or visitation for a while, you're dying actually to knock on the door, which is different from back then when you're like early at the morning, oh, I got to force myself to knock on the door. This time there's going to be that zeal and desire to hold up the King James Bible and preach, thus saith the Lord. So there's going to be that zeal where you can pick up a hymn book and sing and be able to just not just sing by yourself, but with Brethren, so many brethren filling up the room around you and there will be some shouting, there will be some running around and there will be some singing and there will be some praising. You're going to see people where they didn't come on the altar before and this time they want to come down on the altar and get right with the Lord and then it's just a good feeling to see so many people flooding the altar next to you so that we all can get right with God together. So it's that fellowship where we just talk with each other. Just talking about something that's clean and spiritual rather than all the junk that you've already collected from netbook and online and social media and video games. And it's just good to clean that all out where you can just talk about something clean with the brethren around you and not the Netflix shows that you've been binge watching and then you catch up and do some gossip. But also, it's not just a spiritual clean conversation, but even just a normal talk. Just a normal talk just to see how people are doing, what they've been doing, and then something great that happened in their life or in your life. So it's just that fellowship that we've longed for. The Zoom meetings that some people have been doing, that's been great. But now it's just good to finally communicate face to face. Those of you who are new to our church, you aren't able to communicate or be in contact with the members in our church. But the Zoom meeting now encouraged you a little more. It broke you away from a little bit of that shy shell where you can start talking to more people. And by the time you come back to this church, this time we'll probably see you talking more than any of the members in our church. That'll be a great thing. And some of you members, you know, you've been used to getting your own, I guess, crowd, so to speak, or your own fellow, so to speak, where you've been used to talking. But this time, because of those Zoom meetings, you've been paying more attention to the new members and you felt a connection. And this time, uh, when you come to Sunday church service, Brother Ralph won't be talking to Brother Sean this time. He'll just ignore him, push him away, and then talk to some visitor that comes in at the door. That'll be a great thing. And Sean vice versa to Ralph so that both don't feel bad. (laughs) But the point is, is the point is, is that there's that hunger 
where we can finally basically do much more for the Lord than what we did before. Why? Because that coronavirus situation, that solace gave us a hunger this time where we were starving and we want to get together and we want to do more things for the Lord. And that's a great thing. But here's another thing that I also want to mention. So that socially distanced thing was negative throughout everything that I said, where we're now making up for it, you know, where we're being socially connected now, socially instant this time, not socially distanced. So let's make up for it with a lot of social instances, amen? But we can't, for, we can't forget that God instance that we had with social distance. So the thing is, is that it's good that we get back into business and we're doing more things for the Lord. But don't let that neglect or weaken the more solace time that you had with the Lord. The changes that you remember then that you dedicated yourself to the Lord. And that's the thing is that when we get back into business at work for the Lord, we're going to forget those things. So here's the thing is that a lot of times zeal is a great thing where, man, I'm so hungry to get back into soul winning. But that overzealousness in soul winning, so to speak, can make us forget that solace time where we had with the Lord, where we forget the things that I remember that experience with God that I had. I remember the sermons that Pastor Kim preached that I changed my life on. And I don't know what those changes were during that social distance time. Maybe it was dedicating more to discipleship videos where you can study and grow more. Maybe it was where you can finally start doing the prayer time, recalling every brethren's prayer request and concentrating more on those prayers. I don't know what the changes you made during that social distance time. But guess what? Those changes that you made, they're going to weaken this time. Because of what? Good things. Zeal for the Lord. No, isn't it great that we have both of them together? And that can be a great thing for the Lord. Zeal is such a great thing, but it becomes a feeling. And because it's a feeling and a sensation, it makes us forget the previous feeling and sensation of the experience that we had in our solace time with God on the changes that we made. On the changes that we made for the Lord. So how do we remember that? Because feeling gets rid of thinking a lot of times. Zeal makes us forget. I mean, that's why sometimes overzealousness can be a sin, right? Where zeal can be confused with hot-headedness and rashness. Why? Because you're overrun by emotions, and that's a lust of the flesh then, actually. It turns into a lust of the flesh. Something spiritual turned out to be a lust of the flesh. And when you're feeling, 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 you're not thinking. So what you've got to do is you've got to be thinking and feeling. And that's what your pastors always strive to do all that time. Uh, even at a blowout meeting. Blowout meetings is a great thing. But it's so difficult where you have to make sure where you're thinking about the schedule and making sure everyone's accommodated while at the same time allowing it to free flow and feeling with the preachers preaching and then the people shouting and the people who are just serious and quiet and aloof. So see, that's the thing is that if you have both of these things together, not just one or the other, then it can become a powerful thing for the Lord. Don't let feelings, see, those emotions, that zeal, make you 
stop thinking, make you forget. Well, how do we not forget? Let's look at the book of James. Look at the book of James, please. A lot of people don't look at the passage in the Word of God, what he mentioned for us to do concerning about the Word. We're going to look at James chapter 1, verse 22. Chapter 1, verse 22. Isn't this a common popular verse that a lot of people have memorized? But be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Why? Because it deceiving your own selves. In other words, over here, a lot of people... See, when you're hearing the sermon now, when you're experiencing what God is giving to you during that coronavirus situation, that's when you're making changes, is when you're hearing, see? You're hearing the Lord when He's speaking to you. You're hearing the preaching of the Word of God, and that's when you made the change. That's when you repented. That's when you dedicated and got right with the Lord. But see, when God stops talking to you, and then the preaching of the word of God stops talking to you. What are you going to do after that? You can't just rely on hearing. You got to be doing. See, so the thing is, is that the problem with a lot of people is that they have to hear a sermon or God has to deal with them with a certain experience for them to finally make the change. Why can't you do that without God giving you some kind of experience, without the preaching or something, where you can actually re stop relying on hearing and just be a doer? So in order to remember, you've got to do. People only remember to get right with God when they hear it. When somebody reminds them, when God reminds them. Look, no, you got to be doing it, man. You got to be doing it. So that's the thing that a lot of people don't do. A lot of people, they'll repent, get right on the altar, dedicate changes. But see, they don't make a plan. They don't do that. They get right with God at the hearing phase. Repenting, getting right with God due to the preaching. But see, they don't go home. When they go home and then they're about to take their Sunday nap or get back to work, they don't sacrifice that time to lay out a paper and a schedule. Okay, I'm going to dedicate to do this and this and this. I got a plan where I don't fall into this trial again. I got a plan where I don't fall into this temptation again. I got a plan where I can get myself into, uh, I can remember my weak spots. And if busyness sets in again or a future trial or a future temptation kicks in again, I want to remind, remind myself. I want to remember the tips that I've learned at the preaching. So maybe put sticky notes or put a note or you know, uh, there might be something that might recall your memory like opening up the Bible again or praying to the Lord, remind me, remind me again, dear Lord, etc. So have you been doing now look, especially when we're coming to the end, and hopefully it will be, though, at the end of this shelter at place, mm -hmm. have you been doing at all? That's really good preaching. Remember the other sermon that I preached, or did you not remember about wash your hands more than 20 seconds? That was a sermon dedicated to how much did you change now? And it gave you the chance to change. Now, did you do any changes? Already under conviction at the first point. Already under conviction. And that's what? You deceived yourself, the verse says. 
Be doers of the word, not hearers. Why? Because you're going to fool yourself. You fooled. Your, hey, don't repent and get right with God on the altar because you're fooling yourself thinking that you got right with God, that you made a change. Don't fool yourself that after the experience and the suffering that you bore it through and then you got the victory and you received the blessing from God. Don't fool yourself into thinking that I've changed. No. What if that blessing now, you've gotten so used to it, it becomes a consumer spirit, Laodicean spirit, where now you've gotten more comfortable and you seek more comfort. See? So you got to be a doer. You got to be a doer. You got to remember all the things. Remember, remember. Remember, not through the hearing phase, but the doing phase. The doing phase of here's my plan in action. Whether it be a sticky note or through a prayer or whatever plans you prepped up, it's got to, that is where your remembering is at the doing part, the action part. Now, what happens is when we get back into business in church, you're not going to be doing the acting part. Because all that zeal in church is going to overrun you from remembering the changes you made during the solace time. Because you're too busy feeding yourself, your starving self, your starving mental self with fellowship and getting back into church business. And that's going to make you forget what God taught you during your alone time. Your pastor, he went through alone time with the Lord. And man, it really changed me a lot. But guess what? The devil can get me back into this uh, pastor mode, into being happy and working very hard in this church that I'm going to forget what I've learned from the Lord during my solace time. All right, let's look at verse 34. And he healed many that were sick of the diverse diseases and cast out many devils. And look at this. Suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. Now, did you read that? He suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. So the Lord Jesus Christ, he would not allow Satan or any devil to speak or to take any kind of advantageous play. Jesus Christ gave complete silence and just completely shut out the devil. And this was during a time at verse 34 when he was healing many that were sick of diverse diseases, cast out many devils when he was at that busy part. He would not allow it to happen. And what is important is that you got to realize that Satan will attack you. When you are back into this busyness of fighting the devils in Christian warfare... Get like, you know, catching up with him singing, catching up with soul winning, catching up with fellowship, catching up with a lot of things back into business at church. But then you're not aware of Satan attacking you again. And his attack to you was he's going to make you forget. He's going to make you forget the changes that you made with the Lord. So it is very important that you've got to predict the devil patterns. So, in other words, how does Satan attack your weak spots, right? To forgetting? What were your weak spots that Satan used to attack you to make you lose 
the dedication and the actual acting part to make changes for the Lord during your solitary time. What were those weak spots that Satan used? You know what you got to do? Suffer not the devil to speak. Amen. Suffer not those devils to take advantage of you at that weak plane. Remember, Satan is not going to attack you when you're hungry for soul winning and you're winning souls. Satan's not attacking your strength. Satan attacks your what? Weakness. Yes, sir. That's, I mean, look, if you're going to fight against someone, it's not a brilliant idea when you're fighting against this big, muscular, tall guy that you're going to beat him in height. If he's got an injured knee, that's where you're going to be aiming for, right? That's what a, a logical opponent would do. And Satan's more than logical. He's brilliant. And he knows your little weak spots that you're unaware of. And he's going to aim for those spots. So you know what you got to do? Suffer not. So do you remember where he attacked you? Do you remember where he got you to forget? You know what you got to do? Suffer not. You cannot allow that to happen. So remember now. Remember those things where Satan attacked you and predict it. That way, next time when you're out there, you can see the pattern and you can be aware. But Satan, what he likes to do is fill in the gap where you can forget, where you don't see his pattern of attacking through what? Through, all, through the beginning of verse 34. You're so busy casting out devils. See, you're so busy already defeating and making conquests for the Lord that you're not seeing those weak spots that the devil's attacking you. In other words, you're only looking at a lot of your strengths or even the normal things that you're used to doing and seeing, but you're not used to seeing your weakness. I'll tell you what, if you are to fellowship with the church member and while you're talking with that church member, what would be best is to remember your weakness while you're fellowshipping. But see, we're only thinking about, I just want to fellowship with the brother and sister, right? As a normal thing. But no, if you do that, then you're going to be unaware of your weakness and then Satan might attack your weakness. Uh, it could be anger. It could be critical thinking. It could be lack of patience. It could be gossip or it could be something else. And then during that normal moment that you're occupied and doing in, then Satan's going to take advantage of that weak spot and press that button, ding, 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 and then that fleshy tendency that you try to conquer will come out again in the middle of the normalcy. And it can even be in the middle of your strength. Your strength might be winning a lot of souls to salvation, but perhaps your weak point over there could be overzealousness or lack of wisdom. And then Satan's going to press that button in the middle of your strength of soul winning, and then you could probably push a soul further away. See, so you got to remember, remember the weak spots and how Satan succeeded in attacking you. Amen. And when he does that, you know what you got to do? Suffer not. Yeah. Don't speak to me. Get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. Verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. So in verse 35, we see Jesus actually doing it. Okay, so let's distinguish verse 34, 35. 34 
is where you're being aware and predicting the weak spots now, right? And you're going to remember it. Verse 35 now is the actual acting that I'm going to point out. Now, you might say, how so? Okay, so Jesus Christ at verse 34, he was very busy, you know, casting out devils, but he would not suffer the devil to speak or to take advantage of him in any weak spot or way. But then at verse 35, remember, that was what Jesus needed. Not back into business casting out devils at verse 34, but verse 35, solitary time. Morning, rising up a great while before a day, he went out, departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Why? Because that's that instant time with God. That instant time with God that he needed. So he needed that social distance. So the thing is this, is that you got to recall the benefits of social distance that the Lord taught you and changed your life with. So remember that experience that you had during that social distance, during that coronavirus outbreak, during the time where you heard the preaching, the previous sermons that I preached to you during this coronavirus situation. Remember, remember those things. And in order to do that, you need to return, verse 35, to that solitary place again. You need to recall those solitary moments, that experience you had at the solitary time. So then you need to act that out. You need to act that out. You need to reenact, basically. Here's the idea. Basically, you need to reenact that solitary experience you had during the coronavirus. You need to reenact that. Verse 34, see, you're predicting the demonic patterns this time. You're predicting and you're remembering. And then you're going to say, okay, so this is what I see. The devil's going to attack me here, 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 and here. But now at verse 35, you're going to now act it out. Okay? Now you've got to act it out. Did Jesus act it out? Yeah. What did he do? In the morning. And then he rose up, notice, a great while before day. He went out, departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. Now I can put like five points in that one verse. You ready? Okay. You ready for this? One, in the morning. So notice right here, what did Jesus do? He realized the first thing in my day, I've got to act it out for the Lord. That's the problem. You don't do that first thing in the morning. Uh, the tendency is I'll pray to the Lord when things have calmed down or, you know, right now I'm busy, so not yet in prayer. I'll do it later. But what happens when you say I'll do it later is now you sleep and then you bail out on prayer that one day and then it turns to four days. But if you started out your day with prayer, then you didn't neglect it. I believe E.M. Bounds once said that, you know, if you make prayer a later, if you don't make prayer the first thing in your day, then it's going to be the last thing. So you know what you need to do? You need to do first thing in the morning. Okay, here's the plan that I have for my weak spots. So you know what you need to do? As soon as you wake up in the morning, just refresh yourself on your weak spots. Look at the plan that you've written out. Pray to the Lord about, Lord, so this is the, where Satan's going to attack me that I predicted. Now i got to act it out. And then... Act out the things that you failed to do. Pray. Read the Bible first thing in the morning. Do something spiritual. 
Notice the second one over here at verse 35. Rising up, look at this, a great while before day. So notice that Jesus allowed a preparation time gap. Now there's one enemy that's within every pastor, and that's time. Time is one of the greatest enemies to pastors that Dr. Ruckman dedicated a whole chapter just on local church book for pastors on time. Because the thing is, is that, see, you, uh, pastors may be so busy with so many things, so then I've learned that, you know, just because I have a set schedule, that doesn't mean it's going to go up nicely, especially when Satan attacks you. Yeah. Especially some random problem spontaneously comes out of the blue. So you know what you need to do? You need to allow a preparation time gap. So sometimes I will have one to two hour extra for something. And guess what? Nearly every time that extra time gets filled out. <laughs> you know why? Because you're in spiritual warfare. You're not in normalcy. This is not the normal American life. You're in spiritual warfare daily where Satan just wants to destroy you. That's why you had to predict those demonic patterns to begin with, right? That's why you had to suffer not the devil to speak to begin with, right? So because of that... You have to prepare much earlier before. You have to organize much earlier. Allow a time gap. Allow a breath. Sometimes you need that self-care where you can re-energize yourself. So that's why you need to prepare a great while beforehand. Well, what if I complete everything for the Lord and there's so much extra time in my hands? Great, then use that extra time to do better things for the Lord or to relax and be lazy. Okay? After all, your flesh was always relaxing and being lazy a lot, right? So you might as well enjoy that this time. Wouldn't it be great that you were relaxing when you're living right for God rather than relaxing and it's sin? Come on, brother, it's good. So see, allow that extra time gap and finish everything beforehand and then use that extra time to do whatever you want, all right? Binge watch Netflix this time, I guess, or something. I jest, obviously, but the point is, is that, see, prepare a great while beforehand jesus did that a great while beforehand he's like so i don't know what the lord jesus was thinking but maybe he recalled those 40 days of temptation by satan so he's aware that if he's going to make time to pray to the lord there could be things that will happen so he had to prepare a great while beforehand so that he can have that solitude to pray i don't know that could be it but then here's the third thing you can find at verse 35 he went out What's the third point? You need to depart. You need to be separated from the things that are preventing you from that solitude with the Lord. There's too many interferences, distractions in this day and age. I mean, before the coronavirus situation, too many distractions, right? So many sinful places to go to. So many sinful things to see. So many sinful people to keep yourself accompanied with, right? But now you, what you need to do is get out of those things. That's what the coronavirus situation forced on some things, right? On some sinful things that you were tied to, the social distance forced it to happen. So what you need to do is that you need to go out. So whatever the weak spot is, or the thing that instigate or causes the temptation and the sin, you know what you need to do? You need to avoid that at all costs. So you need to avoid that. So if there's something that you fall into something sexually, what is it that caused it to begin with? Was it an image? 
Was it because you had cable TV or uh, internet? Or was it because of access to a lot of things or a liquor store nearby with dirty magazines? Or what was it? So what you need to do is what? You need to avoid those instigators, those things that start the temptation and sin. Avoid them. Avoid them like the plague so that what? So that you can actually do the things for the Lord. Not just remembering and then you forget it and then that, insti uh, that thing that started the temptation is still there and then it hits you and then what? It grows the sin and then it causes you to sin. And then guess what? You don't stop there. Then you sin more again after that. And then you, guess what? You still didn't learn your lesson. And then God has to remind you again through the hearing phase. So you know what you need to do? Avoid. Avoid the things that caused it. People just don't know and don't learn. Avoid it. So how do you avoid it? Avoid it. Maybe you're going to have to put that internet or that cable TV in the middle of the living room so that everybody can see what you're doing and you can be held accountable. Perhaps maybe you're going to have to put that parental, uh, if you failed in parental supervision, why did my kids know about this stuff? Maybe they're just, you're going to have to prevent them from hanging with that wrong crowd in school. Or maybe you might have to switch to homeschool. Or maybe you're going to have to put that parental filter this time on the computer and the cable TV and etc. You trust what your kids are doing on the iPad every day, parents? So see, whatever is causing the problem to begin with, the problem wouldn't even happen if you avoided those things that started the problem. And then you can see a fourth one over here at verse 35. Departed into a solitary place. And so that's what you need to do. You need to refresh that experience with your solitude time with the Lord. This is why prayer and Bible reading is essential and absolutely important. And that doesn't fail to include memorizing the verse. That doesn't even include studying the verse. And that doesn't uh, even include your own Bible study time with the Lord. You need that solitude where you need to refresh yourself. I would also like to include meditation. And I don't mean the uh, thing, okay? So when the Bible says to meditate, yeah. it's talking about where you're like reflecting on God's words. Yeah. When you look at his creation, you can actually reflect on how God's been good to you and his words too. So that's the thing that you need. That doesn't fail include to meditation as well. You need that solitude time where you just need nothing and you just need to meditate on God. Maybe you just need that solitude where you need to go on a hike. And that's what the coronavirus did, that social distancing. It caused that solitude where you're finally going out in God's creation, not a stupid casino. There's something I want to praise the Lord for with social distancing. Thank you, Lord, that people are no longer uh, going to the casinos, the bars, and brothels, etc., and just experiencing your creation, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Okay. I, I couldn't resist. I just had to say that. Just had to say that, you know. All right, anyways, but back to the main point is that, see, you need that solitude time. So refresh that experience that you had in solitude with the Lord during that coronavirus. You need to refresh that solitude experience. So what? Make time. Make time for that. Go out at God's creation. Look at his word and pray. Spend time to pray to the Lord. Just sit down and just meditate and then 
Go through your planned situation, what you planned out with the Lord. Maybe go throughout your whole day and ask the Lord, what did I sin or fail you in? That would be a great thing. Or another thing you could do is, Lord, what is it that I can do better even for you? And that can even include a earthly, worldly sense. What can I do, Lord, to make my spouse feel better, my children feel better? What can I do, Lord, to make life even more enjoyable, to find great things in life? You need solitude. Do it. Another point that you can look over here is, and they're prayed. And that's what you need, is that the key that helps you to enact is prayer. And not just, I'm not talking about praying before you eat, or praying during church service, or even praying during prayer meeting, and that's when you finally get serious, or praying during your normal prayer time. That's not what I'm talking about. The Bible says, pray what? Without ceasing. It's a daily thing. It's like even when you're brushing your teeth, you got to be like uh, at that moment when you're praying to the Lord, okay, Lord, uh, remind me what I've got to do next. When you're fellowshipping with the brethren, you might recall, oh, there's that weak spot that I predicted that, pattern that satan tries to get me on and then while you're fellowshipping you say lord uh, please help me to remember help me to see the pattern so i can be aware and stop myself see you need to pray pray so that why the changes you made during your solitude time can finally be enacted can finally come out pray to the lord all right verse 36 all the way to verse 39 you'll notice over here that the people thronged about Jesus. They found him. They, wanted, they were seeking after him. And Jesus went back to business at verse 38. Verse 39, he preached throughout synagogues and throughout all Galilee, casting out all devils. What I want to say is this, is that when you're out working for the Lord, that has to happen. So in other words, what am I saying? So there might be people who might covet that social distance where the benefit was, I remember my solace with the Lord, the changes I made during the coronavirus situation. I don't want this experience to leave me. But you know what? You've got to go back to the Father's work. Yeah. You've got to get back to, it's not social distance. You've got to be socially instant now. Now you've got to get in instant and in touch with people again. You need to, look, your pastor said this several times, is that I wish we can all be like the Amish where we isolate ourselves and it'll be like a summer camp and a blowout like every day, right? Just fellowshipping only with brethren and you don't have to be in this sinful, wicked world and then look at a lot of garbage over here, right? But unfortunately, we have to live in this sinful, wicked world. We have to knock on the doors of a scholar intellectual, of a rich man, and to a beggar and a bum who smells. You have to knock on the door of an atheist who hates God and a Jehovah Witness who just plays games with the Bible with you. You need to knock on every one of those doors. Why? Because you have, there's a compassion for people. And you have to, re, you have to get back to the same little squabbles that you have with people in church. And then the newcomer or the babe in Christ may have not matured yet, but you've got to get back to loving the brother and sister. You've got to get back into just being patient with them and praying with them and fellowshipping with them. You've got to get back into this sinful, wicked world where you're just driving to work and there's, nothing, there's not, not a spiritual bone in your body when you're working and you're like, 
What spiritual thing can I do for the Lord in the middle of work? And God's like, just making money and taking care of your family. And you can use that as offering later on. And then you don't like that, but you just have to get back there and you hear those co-workers cussing out God. Back at school where you have to hear the, garb the garbage that your professor teaches to you. The neighbors that come around you and then all the wicked where you're driving and then you see the billboards again. And then not only that, the bars are opened again. The casinos are open again. The adult video stores are open again. And so temptation is open again and you don't like that. But hey, you have to learn to fight and resist within this wicked world and learn how to go down to their level in patience and love. And then you have to wait a long time to keep working with them down there. And not only that, you have to discipline yourself and motivate yourself to not stay down there, but to gently bring them up there and ever a gentle mode and it's such a slow painful process and then you pastored for five years and then you grew 30 and then you dropped to two and then you're like oh i gotta do this again and then you gotta go down and then you go down again you have to go down again and you have to go up again and then for some weird reason the lord gives you the boost and then you come up over here and then you can't be content over here and you gotta say i gotta keep doing more for the lord i am not done until i reach every single iota of a soul around the world that's me i'm not gonna stop uh growing the church even if i have a hundred thousand people you might say, why? Because I'm not going to stop until every, I reach every single soul around Amen. the world. Then my job is done. So, see, you got to get back to work. You got to get back to the work because it's necessary and there's a lost and dying world going to hell. So, yes, the social distancing, the experience we had with God, the changes we made was precious and a treasure. But guess what? That's not going away. God wants you to carry that with you. But don't neglect the work that you're supposed to do back at church. Don't think that you're spiritual and right with God and that I don't have to attend church because I can just serve God as much as I'm in the great outdoors of nature all by myself like an Amish just reading my Bible and praying. No, you're not right with God. That's right. There are people dying and burning in hell. And there are people that you need to contact and be in person to minister and help them. How shall they hear without a preacher? Let's look at verse uh, 40 and through 44. Now, briefly from verse 40 through 44, you'll notice over here that so Jesus had to get back to work, right? So while he's getting back to work, it's usually that compassion that he had. And he had that he worked with the people like we all should have. Because of compassion, that's why we have to live in this wicked world. That's why your pastor has to live in San Francisco Bay Area, even if he doesn't want to. He has to. Why? Because of compassion. Compassion for the souls. So that's what Jesus did for this leper. But guess what? Even though you have compassion and you're working hard in this world, don't let that make you depend on people. See, Jesus couldn't depend upon this leper. Why? Because Jesus told the leper what to do, what was right. Don't tell everybody about me. Just follow the law of Moses and get cleansed and stuff like that. You know what that leper did? I mean, after he was ministered to and Jesus out of his way helped the leper, the leper didn't do Jesus any good and then just violated it and just opened up his big fat mouth and then people thronged around Jesus 
And because of that, Jesus was now even more busy, more bound, that prevented him from experiencing that solitary time with the Lord. So you can't depend upon people. So here's the thing is that, yes, we're going to get back into the Father's work and dealing with people and then soul winning, street preaching, fellowshipping, etc. But remember this, when you're doing all that for the Lord, I hope that's not dependent upon people. So that's why you're soul winning, right? Because there's a brother or sister in Christ who did soul winning as much as you. Oh, so that's why you finally got rid of the sin because now you're in front of the preacher and the preacher preached a sin directed at you and then you were in person and that helped you clean up your sin. Oh, so it's because that uh, people were following up with you and fellowshipping with you that prevented you from fellowshipping with the world. What if you didn't fellowship with us? You're going to fellowship with the world and increase in sin? See, the thing is, is that you cannot be dependent upon people to live right for the Lord. The fear that I have is that that solitary time, see, it prevented us from depending on people, see. That solitary time was your time where, hey, pastor can't be there for you. The brethren can't be there for you. You got you to gotta take action yourself. You got to man up. You got to gird up your loins, as the Bible said, and you got to take action yourself and you got to become stronger. And then it's through that, that's why you went through experiences and made some changes, right, that you didn't have before? Why? Because God, finally, the little baby, got away from holding the parents' hands to walk, and God told you, okay, now walk. But now, guess what? The baby, what does the baby want to do while walking by itself? Yeah. Want to grab the mommy and daddy's hand again and stay there. You can only live clean for the Lord when pastor is there, when brethren are around you, you can't be like that. You got to realize this too. Even, uh, even onliners, you are dependent on people. You might say, but I'm all alone for the Lord already. No, it's online. You're watching us online. What if God shut down our channel and he will one day? That's very possible. He will one day. Then what are you going to do? How can I survive serving for the Lord? So you cannot be dependent upon people. You gotta serve God. You gotta serve God no matter what. Remember, people will let you down. People will let you down. That's the worst thing. The worst thing is not just that you can't rely on people, but those same people, they can turn you down on something that you had an expectation of. That's right. And yes, I wanna say this several times so that people can get this, so that if Satan attacks his church or attack my life, and not only that, I don't want people to put me at such a high pedestal, oh, Dr. Gene Kim, Dr. Gene Kim, and then, God forbid, something bad happens, and then you live your life in sin. Yeah. This preacher can and is very fallible and a sinner just like you and i always have the fear of god in me where satan might attack me one day and i might topple and become nothing then what is this going to become of this church you're not going to come to this church anymore you're not going to operate this church anymore you got to realize what did you come to this church for because of me no. preaching and teaching no, you came to this church not dependent upon me because this is what's right. This is where God wants me to be. And if you always thought like that, you wouldn't care if this church went through 20 different preachers and you got sick and tired of them. You're realizing, look, it, 
those guys can go to hell if they wanted to or mess up at the judgment seat of Christ. I'm focusing on my job, what I'm supposed to do for the Lord. People will let you down. The brethren will let you down. Close people that you rely on and even help or support you will let you down. This pastor, he had to think like that. Not that he's like distrusting and, you know, suspicious and paranoid and critical, like this brother and this sister and all like that. No, but I couldn't be so over-reliant on them either. I couldn't be reliant. I had to be what? Just in the middle. Just what? Trusting God. That's it. And then God will lead me, okay, rely them here and then be careful over here, like this. Not like one over here, argh, suspicious, and one over here, I trust you with this problem and everything. No, you can't do that, okay? So you got to be balanced. So the thing is, is that don't be dependent upon people because people will let you down. And then guess what? The ministry will continue. It will survive and not just survive, it will thrive. So yes, we're, uh, we're excited when this social distance and this shelter at place is gone. But guess what? Don't be too reliant on it, dependent on it. Don't think that your life is going to get in order, that you're going to start living for the Lord and winning a lot of souls. No, what's going to happen is that machine is going to hit again where you're so used to interacting with people and then the flesh gets accommodated and comfortable and then you have higher expectations and your dependence upon people grows even more where the pastor now has to do a fleshly motivating factor like if you invite 10 people to church, the people who invite the most people to church will win a free flat screen TV. That's where it gets down to. Verse 45. But he went out and began to publish it much and to blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. There's only one positive thing in verse 45, a small slimmer. You notice the majority of verse 45 is negative, but he went out. That's not a good thing. Began to publish much. That's not good. To blaze abroad the matter. That's not good. In so much Jesus can no more openly enter into the city. That's not good. This was the only sliver, but was without in desert places. For Jesus, he needed that solitary time. And then guess what? It doesn't end there. Negative. And they came to him from every quarter. Negative. So what's my point? My point is, in the middle of all this hustle and bustle when social distance finally gets uplifted, that small little sliver, which is your solitary experience with the Lord that you're trying to refresh, is only going to be a small little sliver during that whole busy schedule. Crammed up schedule. Trials and temptations all hoarding around you. It's always going to be that small little sliver. It could be that small little sliver of just that one hour Bible reading and prayer time as soon as you wake up first thing in the morning. And then after that is what? Bam, 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 bam. Satan attacking you. Where goes the baby? Family trouble. And then when you come to church to get refreshed, then there's a problem at church. Bam, 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 bam. So the point is this, is that that small little sliver of that solitary experience, notice Jesus retained that despite of all the busyness going on. 
So there is that fear, I notice, of all this negativity at verse 45. Bam, 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 negative, 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 everything busy, busy, busy. And pastor always senses that too. It's because, you know, he's always busy. So he always has that fear of, you know, everything going on in his life, whether it's family, whether it's work-related, whether it's school-related, whether it's uh, member-related, church-related, online-related, which is not even helping more because that's a lot more work. And then you got all these things. And then it's going to take away what? That experience your pastor felt during the coronavirus situation where he, remember, where he remembered the feeling, the prayer time, and what the Lord told him. He's afraid that that experience will be lost in the midst of being so busy making life ends meet and serving the Lord. I'm so busy serving the Lord in church. I'm so busy trying to get my life together. And then I forget that small little experience of solitude that I have with the Lord. That's your pastor's fear. But you know what's going to happen? You don't have to worry about all these bam, 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 bam things going on around you. Because naturally, the Lord will refresh you back into solitude. Jesus, notice over here that he did still go to the desert places. He didn't just stay with the city and throng around the people. The desert place, the solitude never left him. What I want to encourage people is this, and this is what happened in your pastor's life. And I would dare say a lot of you too. Do you remember the time where you got right with the Lord on something? And then all this busyness crammed in as usual. The machine, the American machine kicked in as usual. But then the Lord, what did he do? He kind of took out that little chastening rod or he took that trial in the fire to kind of remind you again. So guess what? The Lord will naturally bring you back. That's the point. The Lord will naturally remind you again. I mean, those bra- that brain is just wearing with all this busyness and it might need the rod of God to go bang on your head and say, remember, bang. Oh, now, the, now I remember, dang. <laughs> now I remember that time that I had to change with you. The Lord did that consistently in this pastor's life. He did. Whether it be patience, whether it be love, whether it be humility, whether it be faithfulness, whether it be dedication, etc. The Lord consistently, did, he never failed to go bang. You just went a little far over here, bang. Do you see that? Bang. Or he'll let the consequence and the hurt happen, bang, so that I can see it and feel it and not mess up again. And then bang. He does that. He'll bring you back. He'll bring you back. And look, I know I mentioned that he bangs you with his rod, but I don't want people to mistake thinking that, you know, it's always going to be a bad thing when God reminds you. No, the Lord doesn't do that. He only does it when it's necessary, when the flesh is so ingrained and stubborn and wicked that it's so pronged to forgetfulness that he'll kind of, that he'll bang you. But he doesn't, but he doesn't do that all the time. He knows people are sincere, people who are trying to serve God. And when you have that in your heart, the Lord will gently remind you. He'll remind you somehow. Sometimes it's so weird, but even for myself, let's say that my problem was a fleshly problem. If I looked at my flesh at a reflection at a mirror, then it just reminded me, oh, I had a flesh problem over here. (laughs) So some weird things like that. See, the Lord will gently get you back into place. It could also be a Sunday sermon. 
where the pastor was preaching or teaching something and he doesn't know your problem. And when he teached and preached that, the Lord gently reminded you and you're like, oh yeah, I, I always had that problem. Oh, I'm at the hearing phase again. Now I got to get back right with God and into the action phase again. See, the Lord will bring you back. The Lord will bring you back. Even the most wicked sinner, you got to realize this, the Lord will bring you back. Even if you're deliberately wicked. You know why? Because you're his child and it's his job to use that rod to, hey, get right with God. So God is actually a great and good God, even when he's hitting you with the rod. That's the point. He just wants you to remember. Why did the children of Israel fall into the cycle of sin and that they were sacrificing babies? If you read the first books of Moses, Moses told them why. Because they've forgotten the Lord. The sin of forgetfulness. You know what's happening right now? I'll tell you what's happening right now. It's verse 45. It's that experience that the Lord is refreshing to you right now, normally. That's what's going on right now. The changes that you've forgotten through the previous sermons about the coronavirus during your time of solitude, those changes that you dedicated to the Lord, those experiences that you went through during COVID-19, those things that you've forgotten, guess what's going on right now? You're reminded of them now. That's what's going on in this service. The Lord is reminding you gently once more. So guess what? Just come down and get right with the Lord one again and reenact. Every head bow and every eye shut. Here's your chance and opportunity now. The Lord gently reminded you, now what are you going to do? The Lord made you recall, now what are you going to do? Here's the time that we give to you a couple of minutes to pray and to get right with the Lord. Say, Heavenly Father, please forgive me for forgetting, forgetting the sins that I repented of, forgetting the dedication that I made to you, forgetting what you taught me through this trial and suffering. Don't make it all for nothing, Lord. Please help me to remember your goodness toward me. And while you pray that, this time you've got to do it. Make the plan ask the Lord for guidance you got to avoid those things that start your fleshly tendencies that cause you to fall again you need, you need to pray to the Lord consistently not just during a normal prayer time but just consistently you need that solitude time of Bible reading, prayer, meditating, studying the word, memorizing verses so that you can reflect the things that you need to get right with the Lord on and things that you can improve in your life. Recall and refresh the experience of solitude that you had with the Lord. You need to see what will motivate you to get back into serving God. You need to see those motivating factors and then take advantage of those things. What motivates you to read the Bible? What motivates you to pray? What motivates you to not sin? Find those motivating factors. Do, do, do what you're supposed to do for the Lord. But we can't even do if we don't even remember. And guess what? 
even if you remember, that memory won't last if you won't do. So that's why do both, remember and do. Otherwise, what? You're deceiving yourself all over again. Don't fool yourself into thinking you got right with God today. Please don't be that person. But be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Deceiving your own self. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your word where we can be able to consistently just refresh and gently remind us that, hey, remember that sin problem and there's your fleshly weakness that you need, need to get right, on, get right on or, hey, there's something you need to improve spiritually for the Lord. Thank you for the preaching of your word to remind us. But it's all going to come to nothing if we don't even do. Give us the power to do, Lord. Help us, for we are only flesh, and we are weak, and we are frail. I pray.